Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Reggie Jackson, LA Clippers, and you listen to The Lob, The Jam, The Podcast. What's up, everyone? It's The Lob, The Jam, The Podcast. I'm Chapon coming to you, as always, with Rob. How you doing, Rob? Chap, I'm doing okay. It's my first pod in a couple weeks, but um, <laughs> first first day of the second round of the playoffs. It was a pretty entertaining day of basketball, and uh, yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. I've been pretty entertained by the playoffs. We were recording this right after that Warriors-Memphis game one, and uh, it was a very, very entertaining game. It was an entertaining day of basketball between that game and the first game of the Celtics-Bucks game. How are you doing, Lucas? We're also here with Lucas. What's up, Lucas? You know, I am also enjoying the NBA playoffs, but I have an unpopular opinion to share with the pod. Yes. You were rooting for the Warriors in that game. Well, I am actually. I was rooting for the Warriors in that I'm game, also, but that's I'm also rooting for the Warriors. What's that's not Warriors? even what I was going to say. Well, I think the Warriors have a better chance to beat the Suns. And you're um, not no, rooting, rooting for, for the, the Suns. Suns. Yeah, yeah. I'm not rooting for the Suns. This, this is almost um, like a. This is almost like continuing with the. Are you rooting for Chris Paul or not? Like but, how yes. actively people are, are rooting. But for uh, really, I just want a team like an Eastern team to win it, but not Philly. One like any of the other three Eastern teams would be acceptable. At no, this point. the Heat are Miami would be lowest like it's i mean it's it's boston and it's milwaukee and boston and then a huge gulf between what's acceptable but i'd still rather miami than phoenix or golden state yeah i'm 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 there um this is probably my number one team actually but that's not even my um well number one in terms of you want them to win the most yep you're insane you're a crazy person i thought you were pulling for the sixers this playoffs robert in the east in the East, oh my He's God. He's not alone. There are other Clipper fans that I know of that are rooting for Phoenix for Chris Paul. Yeah. He's well. an important I, I, I don't know. I, I generally like Devin Booker is not my favorite. I don't like, like I Devin Booker. but I, Yeah, I'm I, not a Devin Booker fan. I really like, like I Cam know. Johnson. I think Cam Johnson is really good. I love all Cam their Johnson's wings good. except for Jake Carter, actually. Nikhil yeah. Bridges and DeAndre Ayton seem really cool. Monty Williams is awesome. Like, I don't know. Like, I the, the Suns are just Man, this is like... A little, we're getting a little off the rails here, but like, how about how about former Clipper Willie Green 
uh, and his performance coaching the Pelicans in that first round series. I'm really happy for Willie. I think Willie, after what looked like was going to be a really um, shaky start in the first few weeks of the season, had a great year. It seems like the, the team really kind of rallied around him. Like he's been a big part of turning the culture around there. And, you know, uh, obviously we don't get a full glimpse, but whenever they did the like mic'd up huddles, he actually reminded me a lot of Monty Williams with his demeanor. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm now at a place where I like, I wasn't sure about like Willie green as a head coach. You know, I always liked him as a Clippers. Okay. Backup shooting guard, but like starting shooting uh, guard. Sp- yeah. Spot starter, right? Like the 16 minute starter, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I wasn't sure. Like I didn't get a vibe from him as a player. Like, Oh, he's going to be a great coach. I mean, you never know. I wasn't uh, doubting him, but I really uh, walked away feeling very impressed and very happy for him. I'm rooting for Willie. I've been rooting for Willie Green, and I think this ended up being a great, great debut season for him. Yeah, it was great. He's a new upstart coach. I'm happy for that whole team. Uh, so, what really... was your hot take anyway, Lucas? Oh, that the uh, the Grizzlies Timberwolves series was not as like fun as everyone said it is. It was the like least enjoyable series to watch in the first the, round. The Timberwolves Grizzlies It was so series, pathetically played by both teams. It was neither, pretty... <laughs> neither of those teams would have advanced if they were playing against like, no, I'm not going to say any other team, but like any competent team. In they the wouldn't have beat the Nuggets. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I, you know, you look at the East, like Toronto would have beat both of those teams. Yep. I want to say that people who like that series must really enjoy college basketball because I just felt like it was just, <laughs> it was just like, there were so many silly things that happened constantly, but the effort level was great. And like, obviously both teams really wanted to win, but it was not like an execution filled series. You know what I mean? So it, it was a fun, it was a fun series, but it definitely wasn't like a basketball, you know, haven. No. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It just, it just was like, to me, it was just, uh, you know, Grizzlies got exposed even though they won, it made me want to. They play got the they got pretty more. dominated. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still I'm very upset we we lost to the Timberwolves. Still. Yeah, what's what's this? Um, what's the Rob Rob? Tell me which the correct opinion is here. Is it correct opinion? Correct opinion number A or opinion letter A? Number A. Uh, that the play in tournament was proven to be good because both teams that made it to the play in tournament out of the West put on good showings against high seeds in the first round and made for some competitive, interesting series or uh, opinion B that the playing tournament is bad because the higher series, the higher seeds in the West were weak this year and the Clippers got robbed even more than normal because they could have been competitive against those teams. What's the correct opinion? A, I mean, I don't, I, I just don't think the Clippers, even Memphis, who was not super impressive, they match up really well against the Clippers. The Memphis, Mem- the Memphis, Memphis is a great offensive rebounding team. The Clippers could not rebound all year. Um, the Grizzlies are super fast and athletic. The Clippers are old and slow. Like, I think they would have out executed them, but I, even with how badly they looked and, and the fact that they blew so many gifts today to lose the Warriors with against an awful Clay Thompson and a mostly cold Steph Curry. Um, I, I still think the Grizzlies probably would have won. The, the thing we just can't know is how PG, how quickly he would have recovered from COVID. Like how many games would he have missed? Would his conditioning and, and breathing and lung capacity and all that stuff been a hundred percent by game three, by game four? You know, we, we just don't know, but the Clippers to me, one, they did not play super well in either of the playing games. And two, I think they were just, they were out of gas. Um, they were kind of discombobulated, um, reintegrating their pieces, um, I, I don't think they would have been able to do anything 
yeah, and like this, the, the Pelicans only did well because Devin Booker got injured. Like I, again, kudos to Willie Green. The Pelicans were a nice story, but if Devin Booker is healthy and doesn't get injured, I mean that's a five game series. It's like a, a good job. Yeah, if if right, if five. Right. Um, yeah, and then then it's like you know if if the Clippers are playing the Suns, you know Devin Booker, it's a completely different series, completely different plays. Maybe he doesn't get injured, and then the Clippers lose in five. So I, the Clippers weren't, I don't think, beating either of those teams. Even if they had beaten the Grizzlies you know, maybe they were not beating the Warriors. I, I just. It, well, it what if Kawhi been... Leonard had come back for the Warriors? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <God. laughs> uh, you know, yeah, we would have been, been hearing like, it would have been like Clippers down two one to the Grizzlies heading into game four. And the like pregame report at the, on ESPN is like, uh, sources say that Kawhi Leonard could return for the second round. If the Clippers advance out of this series. Oh my God. Yes, like that would have just been so irritating to me. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I again, I I'm not in. Despite my reputation, I do like the Clippers and I want them to do well. But oh I, yeah, okay. But I was not, you know, I, I'm sorry for the players because I think you know I really wish the players and coaching staff had been able to make the playoffs because I think you know they played hard all season and and I do think this team kind of deserved it. But do I think they would have made any noise? No. I think I think what we saw in those play-in games was really telling in terms of it was a weird combination of uh, guys who didn't have their legs yet coming back from injury, guys who didn't have their legs. Like Reggie Jackson, just they asked him to do too much all year. They could have given him two weeks off at the end of the season. Like he needs three months. He he just was overburdened all season. He got burned out. Um, he's a human being. It happens, right? Like mm-hmm. guys who hadn't played together in a long time and weren't totally comfortable together guys who were now in new roles than what they were in all season. And we're trying to adjust back to that while sharing the court with guys they haven't played with all year, this weird tension of like, where is Norman Powell on this team's hierarchy? You know um, I mean, it, I think that the play-in games were telling and that even if the Clippers had won one of those in a squeaker at the end, they were not the best version on the court that that collection of talent was on paper because they didn't have time yeah so yeah i mean i I don't think that the clippers were necessarily robbed i I think the play-in is super fun and i think the pelicans were probably honestly you know they they deserved it they deserved it over the the spurs and they deserved it over the clippers like they won without paul george obviously if we had paul george who knows if we have the canard who knows yada yada but i do think uh, a paul george list clipper team for maybe a couple of games would it would have had very small chance of an upset no matter how unprepared you know uh the memphis grizzlies have seemed you know that's still a bad matchup and I, they still have john Morant. so uh i, I do think that the playing is fun and uh, i think it was cool unfortunately it hurt the clippers this year and and hopefully they can get healthy like the warriors did last year they can get healthy and make a big run next year so that's the best cool. thing about the first round outside of the nets getting swept which was just delightful is that <laughs> cj mccullum remains a fraud Oh boy, CJ. The Jazz had, a bad, had a bad showing. Oh, the the Utah stuff was the most entertaining thing for me. God, was... I really, you know what I'm like. I have shouted that the Jazz are frauds. You did even before we played them. Even before and we played them. Even before we played them last year. Mm-hmm. And I still thought, oh, it's the Mavs without Luca. You did. <laughs> I still thought they were going to win that series. I mean, that was like, I don't know what that team does from here, but oof. The Jazz suck, and their and their salary is is a mess. I don't know how what they're gonna do with that huge freaking all the money they have on their cap. What a mess! They're gonna be very entertaining this summer. 
Uh, yeah, you know what? Let, let's take a quick break. Come right back. We're going to start our exit interview series with one Paul George after this. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're back. So we're going to be doing some pods, some exit interview pods. They're going to be lining up as much as we can with our, our website over at 213 Hoops. Um, check them out. We have a few guys, Paul George, Luke Kennard, and Isaiah Hartenstein. A few very interesting players for the Clippers. We're going to start with Paul George, who, ironically enough, might even be one of the, the lesser interesting players from the season because he only happened to play you know, about 30 games or so. Paul George only played 31 games this year. He started off really, really well. I mean, there was some idea that he was an MVP candidate those first few weeks before he hurt his elbow and honestly his shooting and his splits and everything like Rob talked about in his exit interview, everything kind of normalized a lot more, if not underwhelmed compared to what we were hoping to see from Paul George this year. He only he averaged 24 points a game, about seven boards a game, almost six assists on four turnovers. So six, uh, you know, four turnovers a game as usual, you know, WTF turnovers that our friend uh, Justin Wilson likes to mention at LA Clippers film. Shot well from the line, 86%, only 35% from three, 42% from the field and eight threes, 8.33 attempts per game on 35 points percent shooting kind of underwhelming it's hard to get terribly upset at paul george's season considering all the injuries he was dealing with of course it, it was bookended by catching covid right before the clippers final game of the season where they absolutely could have used a run stopper quite frankly and, and paul george would have been that guy uh rob we can start with you you wrote that great piece over at two and three um that everybody should check out paul george this year how how are you? How'd you feel about him? Feels like a tough guy to talk about. 
Yeah, I mean, I think in in our roundtable with the staff grades, I was the only person mm-hmm. to give lower than a B minus. I think for Paul George and I gave a C minus. I mean, I think even without the injuries, I think it was it was kind of a disappointing year for some of the numbers I, I mentioned in that piece. Like, you know, he took more shots per game. His efficiency went down, which is fine. He was playing without Kawhi Leonard. Um, but like his assists really did not go up basically at all. His turnover skyrocketed. Um, and he took extra shots, but it was mostly, you know, it wasn't like he was taking more efficient shots. Um, his free throw rate was about the same, maybe a little bit down. He took fewer threes. Um, really, he took more mid-rangers. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, again, I don't think any of that is bad. Like, even in the, a lot of the games he was playing, like, there were other Clippers who were playing. A lot of the games in the start of the season, like Marcus Morris wasn't there or Nick Batum wasn't there or, you know, whoever. Um, so I, I, I don't blame him. I don't think this is like some, oh, like this is a huge decline for Paul George. I think the biggest thing to be concerned about is availability. You know, like I said in the piece, the five, the four seasons before he joined the Clippers, two on Indiana, two on Oklahoma City, he played 81, 75, 79, and 77 games. That is really, really good durability Mm -hmm. for a star who's getting 35 to 37 minutes a game. Three seasons with the Clippers, 48, 54, 31 games played. Now, the the first two of those seasons were shortened due to the bubble and then um, the late start. So I think it was like 76 games and 72 games or something. So it's not quite as bad as on a full 82-game schedule, but still, like, he's missed 25-plus games each of the past couple seasons. Or actually, 21, he missed 18. Um, It just seems like he's turning 32, I think, in three days. I think it's May 4th. it kind of seems unlikely we see Paul George play like 70 plus regular season games as a Clipper, like maybe ever, which is just kind of disappointing. Like maybe he does get there. Like his injury this year was kind of fluky. Um, but as he ages into his mid thirties, like I, I think the Clippers will probably, you know, try not to push him too hard. We'll give him days off. We'll maybe do some of the load management on back to backs or just play him few minutes or whatever. But I, I think that's really the most disappointing thing. It was a fluke injury, but like, Three seasons with the Clippers, he's missed a, a ton, a ton of games, and it's it's been a problem for them. Yeah, Lucas, where where are you on Paul George's year this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't entirely really disagree with Rob. You know, I saw some folks saying like trying to balance, like it's tricky to balance, right? Expecting him to sort of have maybe this like all NBA first team MVP ballot worthy season as the solo star, and then he only plays thirty one games, and you know, isn't necessarily be like even that great in those 31 games. I mean, he was certainly, if you pushed, I think if you push his, what the, the 31 games he had over 75 games, he makes an all NBA team, but he doesn't sniff the MVP conversation. And uh, mostly because as we talked about on our Patreon pod a couple of weeks ago, figuring out those last couple of spots on the, the all NBA 13 was a little tricky this year. I think that he kind of gets in on, a name by default if he plays enough games and is there all season but I saw some folks talking about this balance and being like oh well how do you balance the time that he missed with you know playing like an MVP in those 30 games and he just didn't I mean he didn't he had some big games he did but on the whole he was below the level you would expect him to play in those 31 games and then missed the other 51 so I don't want to hold it too far against him that he missed games because he got hurt. It was a weird injury. There's nothing you can do about it. But it was sort of like, I think it is just really underwhelming when you look at what you thought you were maybe wanting to get from him this year, like this big Paul George year that didn't materialize because of the injuries. 
And then I just knock him down to that B minus because he wasn't even as good as you would want Paul George to be in the 31 that we got him for. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not coming in here red hot, you know, trying to trade Paul George this summer or anything like that. Of course not. But uh, I don't think that this was like a good, great or even good Paul George season. Does it make you worry about his availability? Kind of like Rob talked about. I know Paul George, especially even when he came back from the elbow injury after that jazz game, the frauds that we mentioned earlier, uh, he mentioned pride and in, in his availability. I think he even referenced Kobe Bryant wanting to play as many games as possible. And George has generally felt that way. Uh, are these injuries adding up for you or, or do you almost feel like it's a little bit flukish? The elbow thing, especially. I don't know. I mean, you tell me shop toe edema and UCL tear. Like this feels flukish to me. This it's, isn't it's like kind of, it's kind of how I feel too. Yeah. This isn't like uh, you know when you have a guy who's doing like pulled hamstring every six months. That's like this guy's gonna keep pulling his hamstring every six months for the rest of his life. You know. Mm-hmm. This doesn't feel like that to me, but uh, you know, none of us on here are doctors. We can't say <laughs> for sure how any of that uh, right. applies. But <laughs> I just know from conventional wisdom basketball stuff, it's like when you have a guy who turns his ankle a lot, who pulls his hammy a lot, or you get that like, um, what's the hip flexor, right? Mm-hmm. Like these things tend to get re-injured over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like Kawhi's injuries, honestly. Like Kawhi, yeah, yeah, Kawhi you has know, a lot Kawhi, of injuries like that. Mm-hmm. Kawhi's quad isn't Kawhi's quad the thing where it's just like is never gonna yeah you get worried um, about any lower leg things for Kawhi so but yeah exactly so like so I'm inclined to think actually Kawhi is the guy that I'm more worried about missing like over the next three seasons I'm more if you told me that one of these guys is going to play 150 games over the next three seasons and the other one is going to play 200 I would say that Paul is the guy playing 200 and Kawhi is playing the 150 yeah I, I think so so yeah so i'm not i guess i guess the answer to your question is no yeah. i'm not super worried about that long term more than yeah. any other player yeah i mean honestly i mean personally as far as paul george is i think i give him an incomplete just because it's really hard to give him a concrete grade but if i had to it, it probably would be under average for what i saw from george today that uh, this year i think that there was just generally a lot of kind of downer games a lot of bad shooting games a lot of it i attributed to the elbow especially when he first got hurt and he first started slowing down a bit so that's kind of why it was hard for me to give him a concrete grade but yeah i mean i think a lot of us were expecting him to to be really good this year carry the team to a higher seed than they ended up having obviously they missed the playoffs entirely so i would i i, I don't really want to say it was a failure of a season but um, I don't think he he moved the needle like I wanted him to this year, unfortunately. Um, but a lot of that is kind of flukish because the elbow thing was unfortunate. Thank goodness he didn't need surgery. I think everybody should just be thankful that Paul George didn't need like a unprecedented type of sur- basketball surgery to to an elbow injury that I've never heard anybody needing. So I'm grateful that he escaped that and looked good and en- good enough while he was playing. I mean, he looked pretty comfortable. He, I wouldn't say that the reason that he uh, the Clippers didn't have something uniquely historically awful (laughs) happen to them medically. And for that, we should all be grateful. I agree. I mean, honestly, you know, I as soon as he got hurt, I was like, no way Paul George is going to need surgery for this, like medically speaking. Uh, I I did not expect it to even like come to that. 
<laughs> I won't I won't lie, the further we were waiting and waiting and waiting, even I talked myself into the idea. It's like, oh my gosh, is he actually gonna need surgery for this? Like this unprecedented, like an unprecedented surgery for a UCL that nobody's had. Uh, and that's just kind of, you know, sometimes how it feels to be a Clipper fan. But luckily, fortunately, um, and and lining up historically, he didn't. So Paul George is going to be healthy to start next season. And I think that at the very least, I'm glad for that. And I hope that he'll play a little bit better. And I hope that Kawhi Leonard will, will ease his burden a bit. So the way, just to, to wrap, the way I think about it is like, you know, because I give him a C minus is like, you know, I think of C is like, you know, average, exactly hitting exactly, you know, like kind of a low end average. Hmm. Um, and I think he was slightly below that. And the way I consider the games missed is like, if he had been a stalwart and played 75 games at huge minutes, that would have raised it just because it's like, he's doing this, but he's taking on this gigantic, you know, minutes load and it is showing up for like all these games. So like, you know, even if the season by the numbers is like disappointing, like, I don't really think when he played, he was an all NBA caliber player. Like mm -hmm. you could make an argument for him as a fringe third team guy. Like it, but like, I don't think he was even like as good as Pascal Siakam this year, um, who would have been my third team forward. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, like, you know, that's just not a good Paul George year. But like, if he plays 75 games and plays 35 minutes a game, like that's enough for to bump that grade up. But because he only played in 31, like it, that doesn't help him at all. So I don't think it lowered the grade for me. I just think that uh, uh, more games could have raised the grade. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not super worried. I just think like, the Clippers might be a little bit cautious with him. And like, I think it's, it's fine to do that. Like he's 30, he's going to be 32. He's, you know, maybe still in his prime, maybe a little bit past it. Um, and like, I think they, they should be cautious because um, one thing we have seen from the playoffs the past few years, more than ever, it's just about being healthy. You know, when, when, when the playoffs hit, like, are you healthy? Do you have your guys? Do you have any semblance of, of cohesion? Uh, because so many teams have gotten wrecked by injuries this year. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a quick break, come right back, and talk about everybody's favorite shooter, Luke Kennard. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. And we're back. So now we're talking about Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard, of course, signed a big deal um, last year that kicked in this year. A good $14 million or so this year. Multi-year deal. And uh, there has been lots of discussion about whether or not he was worth the deal. Um, shout out to our guy, Joey Lynn at Joey Lynn, who uh, underscore, who wrote the article on two and three hoops about him. Joey Lynn, who has been a big Luke Kennard proponent all season. And uh, Luke held up a lot of his end of the bargain. He, he averaged about 12 points a game, three boards, two assists, but more importantly, he shot six threes a game um, in his 27 and a quarter minutes or so. And he shot it at a blistering 45% from three. He shot 45% from the field. Um, and he was every bit the shooter that was sort of the role that was being defined for him, uh, defined for him preseason. You know, Ty Lue went on record telling him to shoot, shoot, shoot. And uh, Luke for, you know, as much as we still tend to complain a little bit about him being a little bit shy to the trigger, for the most part, he did shoot, and he shot really well. He shot the best uh, percentage in the league, actually. So Luke Kennard, the shooter, definitely came to fruition. I think any ideas of him being a pick-and-roll ball handler that came with him coming in as a piston, we've seen some flashes of his passing, but I think those were more or less given up this year. He was essentially a designated shooter. He had a lot of gravity. You know, Teams definitely game plan for him. And we saw it when, when certain teams, I want the Raptors particularly come to mind when, when certain teams really paid attention to him defensively, they could bother him. And maybe that's the next step of his form. But I think Kennard for the most part had a pretty good season this year. Uh, I mean, he shot with the best of them, the best of them, and he shot a lot of threes and uh, he got to his spots. He was part of some big wins. The big one, biggest one being the Washington Wizards comeback. Uh, what he had like seven points and I want to say eight seconds or something wild like that. He had a pretty much a positive season this year. Lucas, Luke Kennard. How did you feel about Luke Kennard's season this year? Yeah, Luke, Luke had a nice year. Um, I think that after last season, this was a big step forward. Actually, some of the numbers don't reflect that as much, but he was more confident this year. Mm-hmm. He took more shots. And I think the big thing is, when you look at the numbers last year, you have to consider it's just not for very many minutes because he couldn't, he wasn't actually playing well enough to stay in the rotation consistently when the team was healthy this year, he was an important piece of the rotation all season long. And the role might've changed. The minutes might've changed. He might've started or come off the bench at different points in time, but he was a fixture. If he was healthy, he was playing 20 plus minutes. And I don't know if, uh, that consistency made him be more confident or if he knew he had to be more confident and it just coincided with that or what, but yeah, I mean, I, he, he was much more a uh, real NBA player than he was in his first season with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. The problem that I have here and I, I gave Luke an a minus. So it's not like I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm more like picking on one thing that I think holds it back from being a truly great season is there was, there's a vacuum on this season's Clippers without Kawhi Leonard with Paul George missing most of the year. 
there's a vacuum of guys creating offense. Luke Kennard's usage weight rate went down from a year ago. Mm. And a big part of what we'll talk about in a future podcast, when we talk about Reggie Jackson and Reggie's efficiency compared to the massive burden of offensive creation load Reggie had to take on was because other guys, including Luke Kennard as one of the main culprits did not step up and make plays with the ball in their hands consistently. And so it was so much watch Reggie. Now Luke did a great job sniping when other guys made stuff happen, but he didn't make enough stuff happen for me this year. That's where I really thought this was the guy was supposed to be. Remember when he came to the Clippers, it was supposed to be more of like a Lou Williams type bench sixth man scorer than a Kyle Korver type sniper. Right. And he was a guy, I mean, he played, you know, there was all this chatter that he was playing point guard for the Pistons in camp. That Luke Kennard still hasn't existed for the Clippers. We got he, a Luke Kennard. Only, that, he's only existed one season, if we're being honest. And that's barely 20 games of one season. Yeah. He, he existed. On a really bad team. On yeah. a bad team, yeah. This, this Luke Kennard was much, the version we did get this year was much better than the version from last year. Mm-hmm. This was like a, a good, like a good Kyle Korver, like, and Kyle, not that Kyle Corver wasn't good, but like he felt he played that role well. He sniped, he had gravity off the ball coming off of screens. He got up over 10 attempts per 100 possessions. You would still like that number to be even higher. Like I'm, you know, Duncan Robinson gets up 15 threes per 100 possessions. Wow. That is, a, you know, a lot more value that he's giving you. Currently in those riding the bench for Miami. Currently riding the bench, yes. How about that? Um, <laughs> because they have they found a bunch of other guys that can make threes too. As yep. it turns out, three point shooting is duplicative, um, which is the problem but, with Luke Kennard. On this, which is on the problem with Luke Kennard when the team is fully healthy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the thing for me that still holds him back from what could have been a great season. I'm actually not even sure that that's what limits his future with the team. I think it's more so uh, um, log jam at the position and defensive versatility that probably limits his future with the Clippers, but. In terms of this, what what left him, but I mean, maybe if he could make plays with the ball in his hands, we'd think he could play point guard and then it would be a different conversation, right? So that was really the one missing piece for me this year. I still gave him an A minus. I thought he had a strong season. He helped the Clippers win a lot of basketball games. Um, I don't have the number in front of me, but a few weeks ago, I, I did something where it was like, the Clippers basically won, like Luke Kennard making a lot of threes in the second half was a huge win condition for the Clippers this year. Mm -hmm, Uh, Now he didn't do it all the time, but you know, of course he didn't hit three threes in the second half of every game, but like there were a lot of games where the offense started, started to tighten up in the second half. And it was like, man, I hope we get a little nuke Kennard stretch here. And he would hit three threes in the fourth quarter. And like that would kind of give the Clippers offense their breath back to finish the game. And Luke Kennard finished the year with a hamstring injury in the last two games of the season mm-hmm. in the play. And we absolutely could have used a couple of threes in the second half. Rob, how, how are you feeling about Luke Kennard? You know, Lucas mentioned his numbers kind of essentially on a, on a per, per 36 basis or per 100, per 100 procession basis, not really making him seem like he made a huge leap this year. How are you feeling about Luke Kennard? Yeah, I mean, I think the the two leaps that you can notice are he took more threes. So per 100 possessions, his threes went from 9 to 10.8, which is, you know, almost two per 100 possessions. That's a pretty good, pretty mm-hmm. good jump. And his defense was better. I think it slipped as the season went along. I think to start the year, he was actually like pretty decent. And as the season went along, it was like not too bad. Um, 
so I think that did slip a little, but he was better there. He was more confident. Yeah, I mean, he had a good year. Like, I, I gave him a B plus. He went above my expectations and, and kind of baseline, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the issue with him is that he just doesn't contribute a ton else. And like with Duncan Robinson, as we've seen, like, you know, he shot 45%. Duncan Robinson ended the year in the 30s, 7 38 range or whatever but like robinson takes way more of them and that matters more than percentage quite honestly and he's somebody who's been benched for like a lot of the playoffs like he still plays and like if he gets hot i'm sure he'll get more minutes but like you know three-point shooting specialists who are not do not play with the ball in their hands have limited usability unless they're bringing other things to the table um just like almost any kind of one-dimensional player is is limited and like luke he does some other things like he does move the ball he's not a ball hog um you know he's not like if you, if people remember anthony morrow who back in the day was a great three oh anthony shooter, morrow yeah was a shocker <laughs> or even like randy foy mm-hmm. um who's a really good three-point shooter but like he had blinders on so much i think the randy nickname on, for him was little chucker um Luke Kennard is not like that. If anything, you probably want him to shoot more. He he does kind of serve as like a move the, the ball, you know, get the offense going kind of guy. Um, but he cannot initiate. There are people who were like, you know, his lack of initiation is on Ty Lue. And it's like the Clippers needed every ounce of creation this year. If they thought Ty, if they thought Luke Kennard could do that, they would have run a lot more specific sets for him to do so. And also, like Luca said, it's also about you taking charge. Like, the, yes, coaches do run plays for you, but it's also like when you got the ball in your hands, you can just call for a pick and roll. Like Luke Kennard, when he had the ball with 10 seconds left, anytime, I'm sure he could have called for a pick and roll from Avita Zubats or Isaiah Hartenstein and like could have run a pick and roll. And most of the time he just moved the ball, um, like, which is fine, but it's, I don't think it's like some coaching restriction. I think it's just, he, he doesn't quite have that capability yet. So yeah, like I, it was a good season. I, I think the Norm Powell trade is really kind of the big restriction because yeah. Norm Powell is also a guy who is a really, really good off-ball three-point shooter. He's not as good as as Luke Kennard, but he's very, very good. And he's bigger than Luke Kennard, and he's a much, much better shot creator and guy attacking the basket. And like I think Norm Powell, honestly, like this is something we'll talk about into the summer, I'm sure, and, and see how the Clippers free agency plays out. I think he's probably going to be a six man. And like, if you have him as a six man, like do you play him and Luke Kennard together? That's not a ton of playmaking for others. It's somewhat undersized. Like I, I just don't know. Um, So I I think he had a very good season. He did rehab his value, but again, like for people who are like, Oh, it's a great contract. And then point to like the fact that Duncan Robinson also got, you know, a similar bigger deal. It's like, well, Duncan Robinson's team is also trying to move Duncan Robinson and he's a better (laughs) shooter. I don't care about the percentages. He takes way more threes. He's better off movement, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I, I just like, I don't think he's really truly worth that contract to the Clippers. Um, that's not to say he doesn't have a lot of value that he's not a good basketball player. He is. Um, but I think he might be the most likely Clipper to get moved this summer in a trade. It's probably him or Marcus Morris. Um, and yeah, I'll be sad to see him go. He's hit some huge shots. Um, he had a very nice season, but like, I I think his skill set is ultimately kind of replaceable. Um, Joey had some great numbers arguing otherwise. Um, I just, I don't, I think a fully healthy Clippers team, he's just not that, that key of a, of a player. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think everything you're saying is pretty reasonable. We we have not shied away from the idea of trading Luke Kennard after we got Norm Powell, and I, I do think there's some duplicativeness to to his play when it comes to Norm after we got Norm here. 
I do think he's a great specialist, but that specialty may serve other teams a little bit better. This is not going to be the last time we talk about Luke Kennard. Um, but I do, I did enjoy his season very much. And boy, some of his shots, I'm, I'm going to remember for a long time. That Wizards game, we mentioned, um, I think I mentioned it when I was talking to the Clipset guys. I'm never going to forget that game. Like that, that's one of those regular season Clipper games that's going to be up there in all regular season Clipper games for me. So thank you for that, Luke Kennard, and thank you for the season. We are going to take another quick break. Come right back and talk about one Isaiah Hardenstein after this. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and we're back. So we're going to be closing up this pod talking about Isaiah Hardenstein. So Isaiah was a revelation. So Isaiah was coming in on essentially a make good uh, contract in training camp where he was competing with Harry Giles, who was much, you know, he had a reputation being a former lottery pick. And and I think a lot of people like the idea of Harry Giles to an extent because, you know, he had a couple of good early seasons with the Sacramento Kings before falling out of favor, never being able to stay healthy. Harry Giles actually got hurt again in the G League and ended his season that way too. I want to say in January or so when I was kind of keeping tabs of him and Agua Caliente. But Isaiah Hardenstein ended up being a, a huge positive impact player for the Los Angeles Clippers, especially early on this year. His his numbers uh, don't particularly jump up, maybe off of a, a general box score or his averages. He's eight points a game, five boards, 2.5 assists, only 1.2 turnovers, about 70% from the line, 62.6% from the field. But pretty much every advanced metric made Isaiah Hardenstein a darling. Some of the best uh, lineups involved him. You know, the Luke Kennard, Isaiah Hardenstein, Terrence Mann lineup was uh, was a big um, positive impact as far as a plus minus, all consistently throughout the season, especially early on. Um, just a lot of what he did felt like the Clippers didn't have. He's a gifted passer from the center position. He was really great with short roll, good in the elbow, good at finding people going back doors, sometimes a little overly ambitious, but clearly has a flair for offense and things 
often felt like they were moving pretty well with him with the bench units. His defense is very up and down. There, there's some, I think, advanced metrics that support his verticality and his ability to defend at the rim. And, you know, we've seen it also at times. His decision-making on defense and his lapses on defense were, were definitely often enough that would make you wish Ivica Zubat was back in. He's not the best rebounder. Um, in fact, I feel like the Clippers often switched on him, not particularly because he was great at moving his feet and staying in front of smaller guards, but I felt like there was just less decisions for him to make. Um, so his defense was up and down. His offense was a clear boy, uh, Boyd to the, uh, to the Clippers rotation. I think he was great on that are, end. Are you trying to say Bowie? Bowie? Uh, Bowie? He was a... <laughs> Bowie. It was, was it Bowie? He, was, he, he Bowie? the Clippers offense? Bowie. <laughs> Bowie? Is that, Bowie. Is, is that yeah, the right way you said that word? Oh, my God. I apologize to Lucas's dad and Rob's dad listening to the pod right now as they both text Lucas and Rob, respectively. Rob, tell me a little bit about Isaiah Hardstein and all of his advances. <laughs> Sounded like you were saying I, void. I couldn't. I remember the, the I couldn't put it to the. OK, let's let's let it go. Rob, <laughs> give me your takes. Um, Isaiah yeah, was did great. he void the Clippers <laughs> offense, Rob? When you Bully. Yeah, is it Bowie? It is Bowie. Okay. Bowie. Well, okay, right. Rob. Rob, here's what I want to know. Okay. <laughs> you love the formula stats. Give me the yeah. formula stats. Chap and I like to watch the games. You like to look at the spreadsheets. Okay. Everyone has their own type of enjoying basketball. I'm a ball the player. For- you guys are hoopers. <laughs> the formula, the formula stats say that Isaiah Hartenstein is perhaps the greatest center to ever play basketball. Yes. So does that mean that you think that he's the greatest center to ever play basketball? Maybe second to Jokic? Um, no, but I, I do think that like the way I view advanced stats is like, they're, they're certainly imperfect. Um, and like they, there are, especially on the defensive end, I guess I should say. Um, but when they all say something, I think it is important to take note of it. And every single one of them said Isaiah Hardenstein was a top five clipper this year. Most of them say he was top three. Um, And they all, I think just about say he was at least a decent defender, if not quite a good defender. Um, And I think it defense is so, so hard to evaluate um, because like we, we all tend to focus on the ball and we tend to focus on big plays. We focus on steals. We focus on blocks on charges, whatever. Um, and it's much tougher to notice the little things that guys do, even if you're trying to pay attention to them, to write about them or podcast about them or whatever. And some things that Hartenstein does, I think, are just being picked up in these numbers, which are related to on-off data and lineup plus minus and all that kind of stuff. And sure, he was playing with other good rotation you know, guys off the bench, and the Clippers bench was really good, and that was not just Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, and their starters were often struggling, especially earlier in the year with the tough Reggie Bledsoe thing and like the on-off numbers were all out of whack and whatnot. Um, but I do think they capture something about Isaiah Hartenstein that is not reflected in the box or, or, or even by the, the quote-unquote eye test. I don't think he's the greatest center ever. I don't necessarily know if he's even a starting level center, mostly just because he fouls nonstop. Yes. Um, but I do think he is very, very good. Um, he is a really, really good finisher around the basket. Um, he shot, let's see here, uh, 75.4% from zero to three feet, which mm-hmm. is like prime DeAndre Jordan levels of finishing. I mean, he was 51.9% from three to 10 feet, which is kind of colloquially known as floater range. 
Um, he is a really soft touch. Like we all know, like he's his floaters that never felt like they were missing. He has a really soft touch, but he's also like athletic. He has good hands. He can finish around the rim. Um, like he's a really good passer. I mean, he's probably a top 10 true big man passer. I mean, he might even be top five. Like, I don't He's a really good passer yeah. for a guy his size. Like, I just think that those things add a lot of value. And like, yes, he does foul too much. And his defensive positioning is not always great. And like the three-point shooting right now is more of a gimmick and kind of a fun thing than like an actual threat. Like teams are not guarding him from out there. Um, but like the fact that he can kind of seems like he can shoot threes, like he has really good touch. Maybe he can expand that part of his game. He's still young. Um, he had a really good season. I think there is still plenty of upside left to be untapped there. Um, and like, again, I don't know because the Clippers lean small, if he's going to be a priority to resign, I think honestly, they probably feel like they can get a backup center at the minimum and do just as well through player development, you know, and, and kind of just putting them with the right pieces and, and getting the right fit. But like, he was very, very good. And if he leaves and the Clippers just get a random, random minimum guy or like a second round pick or something like they're going to feel that at the backup center spot, he helped the Clippers win a ton of games this year. I'm on both offense and defense. Yeah, Lucas. So one, how'd you feel about Hart? Two, I, I know that kind of in chats and just in texts, we, we've often talked about these short roll guys that we see, you know, Draymond Green being a prime example of that. Uh, even a guy like Larry Nance Jr., these guys who can make short roll passes and kind of help, like, help the offense kind of open up a little bit. Maybe the Clippers miss a guy like that. Maybe they could get a guy like that. Why can't that guy be Isaiah Harnstein? Uh well, I think Isaiah is just a little too chaotic. Mm-hmm. Like, and that chaos helps. It's what it's why the Clippers bench was able to go on so many big runs because, I mean, Justice Winslow was another guy who was kind of more chaotic than good. I mean, Hartenstein is chaotic and good. Winslow was mostly just chaotic. <laughs> but when, I mean, he just fouls so much. Is he really a guy that you can depend on? Mm-hmm. to be to kind of fill that void for you i think he makes boneheaded mistakes all the time he has an insane foul rate and really what you're looking for in that short roll position is someone who can defend multiple positions on the other end and make the right play out of the short roll on offense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not just the offense it's both sides of the coin and i think isaiah playing strictly limited minutes against second units, mostly against traditional centers, did a pretty good job. He, he, was, he was really good defensively this year. The, the defense was not bad. I do think that if you put him under the microscope in a series against good teams and great players who will go at him, his positioning is often poor enough and it's made up for in the regular season by activity. But I think when you put him under the microscope in the playoffs, I think he is a guy that if he plays long minutes in the postseason, will get picked on. Mm-hmm. Not unlike Montrez Harrell, who oftentimes played with a lot of energy and covered some ground defensively because he's more mobile. Like Hartenstein is more mobile than Zubats if you want you know, him to get out there and move laterally. But he's not going to angle his body as right. well as zoo is. Right. And so he's more likely to get caught out of position. And like, that's where a guy like Chris Paul is just going to draw foul after foul against mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I'm not sure that hard is that guy. Now 
you, you asked me a question that led me to a negative answer. The overall impact on Hart <laughs> this year was really good. He had an amazing season. I liked him more than the contract that, and role that he got coming in. And he even outperformed my expectations. He had a great year, helped the Clippers win a ton of regular season games. I think it's a no-brainer. Use the taxpayer mid-level exception on him. And if he'll take it, bring him back, put him back in that role, 16, 20 minutes a game, second unit, doing his thing on both ends of the court. He will help you in a lot of regular season games. Again, I'm not sure that he's a guy who has to play every night in the playoffs, depending on the matchups, with how much the Clippers like to go small and with Zoo being a much more kind of stable presence for when you need to be big on the defensive glass and on post-defense. So, yeah, I don't know that Hart is a guy who needs to play in the playoff rotation. I think he's probably more like the ninth man in your 10-man rotation than the sixth or seventh. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a really good rotation center. I have, I was thrilled with how he played this season. I'd be thrilled to have him back next season. Rob, do you think that that uh, taxpayer middle was going to be enough for Hart? How are you? I mean, I, I know that you've been high on him for most of the season, and most Clipper fans have been. Where did you think he kind of played himself into? Because there was a concern, I think, in the first half of the season, like, oh boy, we might not be able to afford this guy. But then his play, you know, tapered off a little bit. Granted, he had a pretty legitimate, severe ankle sprain that that was like bad from the start when you saw yeah. it. Uh, and he took some time to get back into the swing of things, had some good games to close the year. Do you see any kind of issue signing Hart in the offseason? It depends what he wants. I mean, I, I, I do think some team will probably offer him more than the taxpayer mid-level. I, I do think he probably is good enough and young enough that a team will, will take a real shot at him, if not as a starter, at least as like a, a firm backup guy who will play big minutes and, you know, maybe have room to grow into a, a larger role. The question is like, how much does he like this team, the team that, you know, took a shot at him and, and kind of kept him and developed him um, living in Los Angeles, which is a, a key and, and being on a team that next year is might be the number one favorite to win the title. Um, he's only 23. So like the champion stuff, championship stuff might not matter as much. And like, as we've seen with Montrose Harrell, who, you know, the season he won six man, which we all remember poorly now because of, you know, the bubble, um, you know, by box score stats, but had a better year than Hartenstein. I think advanced stats would have it as, as much closer, but like he was a guy who y'all thought would get a huge payday and it's, it's just not happening. And it probably will never happen Damn. for him. Backup centers. Like if you get money, you should take your money. Um, and like, if Hartenstein has a good agent, he will take the money because like Montrezl is is not getting a huge payday now. Like, I mean, he's going to keep making above minimum deals, but like he's not cracking $10 million on any contract probably ever uh, mm-hmm. per year. And like, if Hardenstein can get something close to that or like even like 8 million, like I, he should take that. Um, so I, I do think, you know, when guys are young, like you should go, you should go for the money. I mean, it should also be for the fit. Like, you know, he doesn't want to go to like the Kings where his, career might wither and die but like if the kings are willing to overpay him like they've overpaid so many other guys like you know go get that money um so it depends a lot on what he wants i i do think some team will probably pay him more than the tax pyramid level though yeah kind of you, you look at like a guy like ken birch got more than the tax pyramid level last year wow i think that isaiah hart you rate isaiah hart there but mm-hmm. to rob's point sometimes young guys they don't chase the money because they're looking for the bigger money and so let's say if Isaiah gets a chance to take, let's say a three-year, $24 million deal from someone this summer versus with the Clippers, the most the Clippers could offer is like three, 
318, maybe 320 when you factor in the raises. So it's a difference of several million dollars to go somewhere else. But maybe the Clippers say, hey, we'll do one year and a team option, you know, like a 212, or I'm sorry, a player option for the second year. And then if he has a good year and he opts out, the, the real way to get paid in the NBA is to stay with the same team because then they can exceed the cap to sign you. So they'll beat offers. Where you get screwed is when you start switching teams all the time because you never start accruing those bird rights. Mm -hmm. If he stays with the Clippers, then next summer, the Clippers would be able to give him that. Like there might be teams that have mid-level exception money this year, but is is backup center their top priority for it? You know, it's a little shaky. It's a little uncertain. If the Clippers get to the point where they have his early bird rights, it's really easy for them to give him eight or $10 million a year. Uh, because there's no opportunity cost in terms of salary cap tools to sign other players once you're signing guys with their own bird rights. So I'm actually, I'm not sure that it costs him money long-term um, to take like the 212 with a player option with the Clippers, opt out and sign for more next summer after another good year mm -hmm. versus taking the 328 with another team right now. But uh, I mean, if it was me, I would probably lock in the $24 million, but <laughs> Uh, guys often look for, like Trez did this, looked for the shorter contract for less money because rather than getting more money but getting locked in because he thought he was going to kind of have a prove-it year and get that $18, $20 million a year deal, that's never going to happen for Trez. Right. I don't know if Isaiah even really has those ambitions, but, yeah. um, you know, I do, because he's not like, Trez was like a 20-point-a-game scorer that year, so he kind of thought he could maybe break out, right? Right, right. But maybe Isaiah thinks, you know, well, if I stick with the Clippers, it's a it's more of a guaranteed role than going to a new team. You know how you fit in, and they'll have early bird rights next summer if you opt out and are worth more than that player option amount. So I don't think it's far-fetched, but I don't think it's a given either that yeah. he would stay for that money. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. He said nothing but positive quotes. I remember specifically the quote he said about all the players rooting for each other and never being in that atmosphere before and kind of hoping that he could stay in LA. I think he said in uh, the Miriam Swanson article that was on the OC register, shout out to Miriam. Um, so hopefully that all works out because I think Hart um, has a place on this team. And that'll do it for this episode of the Lob the Agenda podcast. Uh, really quickly, I, I do wanna shout out our, our patrons um, before we kind of head out. And of course, thank you to everybody who supports us here at Two and Three Hoops. Um, of course, I want to mention Alex Siskin, Adam Horowitz, Anthony Garcia, Crystal Alonzo, Daniel Schwedfeger, James McIntosh, Joey Smoking Barbecue, June Park, Agnes Frangaba. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for keeping the lights on here at Two and Three Hoops and supporting the podcast. And that'll do it. Leave us a nice five-star review on whatever platform you listen on. Five stars, five stars really helps. Some nice words too. We'll read them on the air. And as always, go Clippers! winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.